have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as I thought about what change and growth looks like, I think this is actually hard to see in our culture right now, right? I mean, given our cultural moment, when you look at social media, when you look at your workplace, your neighborhood, friends, and especially family. We survived maybe those that saw family over the holidays and some of the conversations that we had. What are we marked by in our cultural moment right now? It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's self-centeredness, anxiety, anger, hate, fear, broken relationships, and impulsiveness. Those are the things that actually mark our culture, right? I mean, I was driving or I was running alongside uh, our neighborhood and I'm just running and a guy lowers his window, says all these curse words to me and flicks me off for no reason. And guess what that did to me? I got super angry. Like I went to pick up a stone and like throw that rock at his car. There was a student who recently told me, as they started a, a, a social media, it was almost this rite of passage that they got their first hate comment. I mean, this is what marks us, that we actually, that, that, that is a, a passage, a rite of passage to say, I finally got my first hate comment. This is our cultural moment. And I think what distinguishes why we're at where we are is because the things that we are connected to the things that we follow actually form us and shape us. And so are we formed and shaped by following Jesus and being connected to him? Or are we being connected to other things that form us and shape us and mark us in our cultural moment in the ways that I just described? And as we go into this new year, and though this might be a little more topical, as we look at Galatians 5, I hope that it would stir us in these next 10 weeks, nine weeks, to be able to say, are we abiding? Are we connected to Christ? And does the fruit of the Spirit mark us, describe us? And are those the things that are changing us and forming us to be who Christ desires us to be? So that's what we're going to look at. And so I'm going to invite Jake Parham. Uh, to read. We're going to look at just the context of this, verses 22 and 23, by starting in verse 16. But Jake Parham, who we just heard about CG, uh, CGs or community groups, he's actually one of the leaders who leads our city CG, and so I'm going to invite him to read um, this passage. So let's give attention to God's Word as we look at Galatians 5, verses 16 through 23. Thanks, Jake. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that, Lord, we will be marked by the fruit of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh, not because of anything we do, but because of you who we are connected to. And so stir our hearts this morning, uh, open up our minds, and give us this beautiful vision of who you have called us to be. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For, for many years... Friends of mine, family of mine, have always told me that I snore really loud. <laughs> that my snoring has kept many people awake and they have not been able to 
fall asleep. Friends have told me that the walls have shook because of my snoring. It wasn't that long ago that a bunch of buddies and I went on a trip and we had to share beds. And this friend of mine, who was actually my best man way back in the day, in the middle of the night, hit me and woke me up and I was so angry. Why would you disturb my sleep? And in that moment, I realized, oh, this is what everyone else feels like because of my snoring when I wake others up. Well, last year in uh, 2023, I decided to actually look into what might be sleep apnea. And I went to go see a sleep doctor. I didn't know that you could actually, there was a subspecialty of MDs who actually study sleep. Um, but I went to go see them. And when I went to go see them, I found out that in this study that I did, I wake up 20 times an hour. 20 times an hour. And so immediately they said, yep, you need to actually get a CPAP machine. And this is what it looks like. That is my body double. He's my stunt double. Uh, that is not me, even though Jason keeps thinking that it's me. It's not me. Found it on Google. But imagine me like that. That is me every single night. And what CPAP stands for is it's continuous positive airway pressure. And I sleep with this every single night. And I thought, if I make it to about 80, it'll be 13,000 days of me having to put this thing on every night so that I could actually sleep well. Now, you're wondering why Am I talking about a CPAP machine and my snoring and why am I being vulnerable in this? Well, I think the reason is because I think this is actually a good picture of what we're going to be talking about for the next nine weeks. And the question that I want us to think about each and every single week as we look at the fruit of the Spirit is, what are we connected to? You see, that CPAP machine gives me that positive air that's continuous so that it stops the obstruction of my air, my breath, of my airway, so that I don't snore, so that I don't wake up 20 times uh, an hour. And I think as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we need to ask ourselves, what are we connected to? Now, I give you a description of a CPAP machine. Jesus gave a better illustration of a vine and branch and fruit. And this is what he said in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches, talking to us. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How does fruit grow? We all know this. Fruit grows when you are connected to the tree, which is connected to the ground, which is connected to the soil, and its roots dig in deep to establish the nutrients that the fruit needs to grow. How does fruit die? Well, fruit dies when it is no longer connected to the tree or to the vine. What are we connected to? What we are connected to forms and shapes us and makes us who we are. And in this new year, I think this is a great place to begin to think about what it is that gives us life, that gives us growth, that gives us transformation. You see, the reason the CPAP is so important for me is because without it, I literally can die early. 
or by keeping it on, it will give me a, a longer and healthier life. Sleep apnea, which the CPAP addresses, says that it, CPAP increases the chances of strokes, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, high blood pressure, and so forth. When I entered that room to see the doctor, the nurse that attended to me talked about why she does what she does in working in a sleep study center. Because her sister had died early due to complications of sleep apnea. But as I'm connected to this machine that continues to give me air, it gives me life. Without it, at best, I'm groggy. I fall asleep on, at the wheel. I fall asleep watching TV and movies. I fall asleep talking to my wife. You know, these are the things that it does. But with it, it actually gives me life. And what you have to understand is that there's nothing I do. I'm not cranking something to give me that air. The machine itself is what gives me the air. All I have to do is put that darn mask on every single night. And it pushes air and gives me life. And as we are connected to the vine, as we are connected to Christ, he gives us life. He gives us this beautiful fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. And so what I want us to do briefly, just in this, uh, in this next few minutes, is be able to just look at these four, these, these four observations about fruit. And then look at, well, what are the applications for us as we go into these next nine, ten weeks of this series? So four observations and then application. First, as we think about the fruit of the Spirit, it is not fruits, but it is fruit, singular. It is a collective singular. One pastor said that often when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we think about nine different diamonds, right? It's love, joy, and all of these are separate fruits that can actually grow. But rather, when you actually look at Galatians 5.22, what do we see? It is the fruit singular. And rather than thinking about them as separate diamonds, what it is is like nine facets of a diamond. It is a collective singular fruit that what describes us and who we are is love, joy, patience. You can't have one without the other. You need it all together. And that is who we are. For those who follow Jesus, it is in us. If we have the Spirit of God in us because we have put our faith in Jesus, then we have the fruit of the Spirit. I know it's easy to be discouraged and say, well, when I look at these descriptions of this fruit, I don't think I have them. I struggle and wrestle to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so forth. When I think about my coworkers, when I think about my boss, when I think about our world, when I think about politics, when I think about social media, when I think about all these things, I have the negative experience of what the fruit describes. But this is within us. It is a collective. You can't just pick and choose one over there. It's, like some, it's not like some Christian buffet. But rather, it is all one collective that we have the fruit of the Spirit. If you have love, you have joy and peace 
And it is in those, it is promised to us when the Spirit is in us. But secondly, it's not just plural fruits, but singular. But secondly, I think what we have to remember here as we go through these nine weeks is that it is not our fruit, but it is the Spirit's, right? The fruit of not dance song, not of you, but the fruit of whose? The Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It's, this be- it's the beautiful aspects of who Christ was and is. These are not from within us, in other words. These aren't things that make us our, up our personality. And it's not something that is formed within us because of our own experiences and our life and our genetics and what our parents and, uh, were like. But rather, this is from outside of us. It is the Spirit who comes within us and gives us these this fruit. It belongs to Him. It is something that can only come from the Spirit that is within us if you belong to Him. We can never forget that. This is what makes us more and more like Jesus because it's His fruit that we actually bear. And I think that's really, really important. It's not us. It doesn't, it's not something that we conjure up, but rather it is of the Spirit and of Christ. And He gives us the fruit, which is love and joy and kindness and goodness and self-control. These are outside of us that is given to us, which actually leads us to the third observation. This fruit is not behavior. It's character. It's character. In other words, this isn't some kind of to-do list or how-to that we're going to be doing for the next nine weeks. This isn't how-to love. This isn't behavioral, something that you could begin with self-determination and strength to conjure up on your own, but rather this is a character that is formed within us. One scholar said it this way, this is about the sheer unmatched, beautiful character of Christ. This is about the person and work of our Savior because that is what the fruit of the Spirit is really all about. In other words, it's not a set of rules that we are trying to attain and do. It's not don't do this list, right? The works of the flesh that we heard about, such as sexual morality, impurity, and sensuality. Rather, this is, this is not what Paul's talking about. It's about character. This is what is formed within us by the Spirit. So when Paul says or gives these descriptions, they do not focus on what kind of performance we can achieve, but what kind of person we actually are. And here's what's so important. Fruit takes time to grow, doesn't it? It takes seasons. It takes pruning. It takes time. And so it is with our character. Character takes time. A lifetime, in fact. I know we can kind of sit here and be discouraged and maybe be hopeless and depressed as we go through these. But remember, the Spirit is within us. And because the Spirit resides in us, we have the fruit. And because we have the fruit, God will grow us and make us more like him as it is described by the fruit. 
But fourthly, the last observation we have to see here about the fruit of the Spirit is that it is not for self. It's not for your own self to be a better person, to be a good person, but rather it's for the restoration of our world. It's for the world. It's for your community. It's for your family. It's not for yourself, the fruit of the Spirit. This is what one theologian, John Barclay, said. The fruit of the Spirit are the social characteristics that enhance and maintain a community and new patterns of social relationships. The Spirit bears fruit in us so that He might bring flourishing to the world through us, one relationship and one community at a time. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just for us. It is so that as we begin to look more and more like Jesus, we get to actually influence and change and transform the world in our cultural moment of hatred, of anger, of envy, of strife, of broken relationships. As we more and more look like the fruit of the Spirit, we get to bring a countercultural, more beautiful picture of what life can look like when you follow Jesus. And that's the point. The point isn't so that we just look better for ourselves, but we're transformed from the inside out so that we can actually transform the world and our people that we love. So those are the four observations I want us to hold on to. That it's not plural but singular. It's not our fruit but the spirits. It's not behavioral, but it's, it's our character. It's who we're defined by in Jesus. And it's not for ourselves, but for the world. Now, the more important question for us then is, okay, so what? <laughs> Why does this matter? And I want to finish with just two questions for us. And I began with this question in the beginning. It's, who are you connected to? Or what are you connected to? And I think that begins to actually show us what we are formed by and what we begin to look like, right? So when we looked at this passage, there were two different kinds of fruit. There's a works of the flesh, and I'll read it to you again. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That describes a lot of where we're at in our cultural moment. But then Paul gives us a, a beautiful picture of what this other fruit is that is born within us because of the spirit that lives in us. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What are you connected to? Who are you connected to? What are the things that are forming you? I think in our moment, it's things like technology, social media, political pundits, influencers, people you follow on YouTube, authors. Are those the things that you are primarily connected to? There's nothing wrong with that. But are those the things that, you are, that are forming you and shaping you? Jay Kim, who wrote a book, who's a pastor out in the San Fran area, the Bay Area, he wrote a book about the fruit of the Spirit. And this was post-COVID, post all the things that have happened in our nation. And he talked about how for him, technology has really formed and shaped him in a way that was really destructive. 
He talked a lot about contentment and resilience and wisdom and how he saw in his own life a loss of those things. Let me just give you an excerpt of what he wrote in his book. He said, much of my loss of contentment was connected to the persistent sense of self-centric despair I felt as I continued spiraling down the vortex of comparison loops and contempt systems found within social media. His loss of resilience was connected to the tethering of hostility and impatience. And so what was the easiest way out? Just go on social media, and there you could find some solace and escape. And so he lost resilience from that. How about wisdom? Well, his loss of wisdom was connected to forgetfulness as the pressures of virtue signaling and cancel culture wrapped him up in outrage, forgetting what really mattered and what doesn't, leaving him exhausted and recklessly indulging online for temporary reprieve. See, these were the things that were forming him. You know, even on our last trip, oh, we just went up to Chicago for New Year's, and you, can't, you don't understand how many times I heard the word, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, because we took away their technology. I'm bored, I'm bored. But do we not recognize that boredom is the gateway towards creativity? And when we continue to look at social media and technology all the time, we remove that gateway of creativity and we just scroll and scroll and it feeds us in that instant gratification. And there's no patience. There's no joy because we're just comparing. You see, what are you connected to? What are we connected to? I think that needs to be asked and to be honest with yourselves and maybe your community groups as you meet this semester. What are the things that are forming you and shaping you that give you life or death? But the second question as we end here is, how can you be connected to Jesus as we think about this aspect of connection and remaining and abiding? How do we do that? And I think there's one word for us. It's the gaze. It's the gaze. It's not about what we do, right? I'm not cranking that CPAP machine. I'm just connected and I'm abiding in that machine and that tube that gives me life. And in that same way, we don't do anything, but as we're connected and abiding, what that looks like is that we need to gaze upon Christ. I remember when my kids, especially Stephen, because he was our firstborn, but I would, when he was firstborn, do you know how, how many hours my wife and I would just spend gazing at him as he slept, as he just sat there doing nothing, right? But our eyes were gazing upon him because why? We gaze upon what we love. We gaze upon what we love. In our Bible reading plan this week, I was reminded of the gazing and the importance of seeing and sight what did Adam and Eve gaze upon that led to their destruction and death? The fruit, the tree. They gazed upon that and desired it and it led to their destruction, to be like God and to be God. But then when you go to Matthew 2 with Simeon, this old man who'd been waiting all his life to see the Messiah, what does he say when, he, when Jesus finally comes into the temple? He says, I can depart in peace. Why? Because my eyes have seen the salvation. He has seen. 
He can die now. He can depart in peace because he has seen the Savior. What do you gaze upon? What do you long for? This thing, right? I gaze on this way too much. I'm ashamed to tell you how many hours this thing tells me I'm on this phone for. Some good, probably a lot bad. This is what I gaze upon. Andy Crouch, in TechWise family, we did that many years ago looking at it. This was before COVID, before all the craziness of social media. But this is what he said in his research when he looked this up. He said, teens spent five hours a day on their device. Before COVID, before Zoom and all these things. It's five hours. How about adults? How much are we spending on our phones? And when he looked at parents and adults, 62% of parents checked their phone the first hour they woke up. And these were the things that they looked at when they first woke up. 74% looked at email. 51% looked at texts. 48% looked at social media, meaning the first thing you do when you wake up is you look at what other people are doing in their lives. 36% news, 24% calendar. What are we gazing upon? And here on this first Sunday of the year, we get to really begin to think about what does it look like to gaze upon Jesus. And the only way we get to gaze upon him is in his word, right? And our staff, we don't like to pat ourselves on the back too often, do we? But this Bible reading plan on our app is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Like, it is great. You click on that thing, and you can instantaneously read or hear the scriptures being read to you. And as you heard last week from, uh, from Zach, 15 minutes a day gets you through the entire Bible in one year. I met a couple this week. And they told me, Dan, we had a Christmas miracle. And I was thinking maybe his job or something else. And they're like, no, my husband wanted to read the entire Bible this year together. And they just gloated about how awesome this app has been for them and being able to hear the Bible being read to them for 15 minutes or so each day to discuss it and to pray together. If we want to know what we're connected to, if we want to, that thing which we are connected to give us life, it is in Christ. And it begins to form us and make us people who are love and joy and peace. And the other way we get to do that right now as we gaze is to come to the table. Because here as we gaze upon Jesus, we see him for who he is. Right? When you think about the fruit of the Spirit, as we come to the table, let me just read you what one pastor said. He said, in love, he went to the cross and died for us and the forgiveness of sin. And he did it with joy, with the joy that was set before him in the joy, in a, joy of gaining you as brothers and sisters and bringing peace into our world. In kindness, he died to us and in goodness, he died for us. In faithfulness to his Father's will, he died to fulfill our needs. In gentleness, he endured the soldier's abuse. In self-control, he remained. He abided on the cross so that we might now abide in him. That's what we get to do. 
That's what we get to do now as we come to the table. Let's pray. This is a prayer from John Stott. He was a single man, a pastor, a theologian who wrote many, many books, which I am indebted to. But this was his prayer every single morning when he first woke up. And this is the prayer I'm going to pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day we may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day we may take up our cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill us with yourself and cause your spirit to ripen in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.